just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you had a great weekend. Mine went pretty well. Things went smoothly. Got to see a soccer game. Got to see my grandkids. Got to see my own kids. Had some fun. Relaxed a little bit. You know, it's funny on the weekends because I have other things going. It's harder for me to do TikToks and or podcasts. And I try to separate it from my mind. Try to focus on those things I'm doing with the family because that's far more important, frankly. But still, during the weekends, things crop up that kind of inspire me to talk about them. Whether I should or not, who knows, but I'm going to do it regardless, as you know. And this weekend, I got a couple of contacts from people directly, and that kind of inspired me to do this podcast. I also wanted to talk about some of the big things coming in this country, in the government, in the next couple of weeks, because there's going to be a lot of shit happening. First, I want to start out with this email I got. And again, I'll remind you, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, or whatever you got, feel free to email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. That's all you got to do. I'll get it. I will respond one way or another, I promise you. So I got this email from a gentleman by the name of Edwin. He said, hey, Mike, love what you're doing. Always listen to your podcast and always waiting for a new one. I like you already. And trust me, there's always a new one coming. My question to you is, how did Mitch dipshit, meaning Mitch McConnell, remain in office as minority leader, and how can he be removed from the 2022 election, if he can be? Would love to see him gone. Keep up the awesome work. Can't wait for the new one from you soon. Well, thank you for that, Edwin. As I said, there's always a new one coming, so you won't be disappointed. Now, let's talk about Mitch McConnell. First of all, the 2022 election has no bearing on him directly. He just recently won a Senate race, and that gives him six years in his term. So he won't be up for election in 2022 unless he gets impeached or kicked out or expelled or whatever. He's there for a while. And trust me, he's in a much better situation as a minority leader than he was a majority leader. If we can keep him like that, things will be much better in Congress. But you bring up a good question. How does he keep getting voted in? Now, his approval rating in the state of Kentucky is typically around 30%. That would suggest to you that he can't get reelected. If 70% of the people don't like him, why would he get reelected? Now, there's a lot of thought on this. And it's funny, with all this talk of election fraud from the Republican side, there's some talk of some uh, dirty dealings with Mitch McConnell. Now, I can't say he absolutely did anything because apparently he hasn't been caught. Of course, he's well-connected, and he probably gets away with a lot of things most people wouldn't. But it does seem funny that with a 30% approval rating that he keeps getting reelected. Could there be some dirty politics going in Kentucky? Absolutely. This man wields a lot of power, even as a minority leader. And uh, he can pull some strings. He can make things happen or make people dance like monkeys with, uh, with cymbals. He can do that because he's that powerful. I'd like to see him get out of office, too. He's been one of the most evil people and one of the biggest problems in this country. In fact, I believe he's a bigger problem than Donald Trump was. Because he wields more power than Donald Trump did. Donald Trump can spew shit, but it takes Mitch McConnell to get it done. And for a long time, that's exactly what he did. He got it done for Donald Trump. The two men are very evil, but Mitch McConnell is the one with the power. If you're waiting for him to get voted out in 2022, not going to happen because he won't be up for re-election. Now, he's an old man, doesn't look to be the healthiest, and conceivably, he might get sick or something worse. Now, you remember that he was trying to work some kind of deal where if he had to leave office or passed away, um, that somebody other than the governor would 
pick his replacement. You see, the problem Mitch McConnell has with the governor of the state of Kentucky is he's a Democrat. So now if Mitch McConnell did somehow have to leave the Senate, well, then the Democratic governor could just as easily put a Democratic senator in Mitch's seat. Now, he wouldn't necessarily be the minority or majority leader, but that would be one more Democrat in the seat. Now, Mitch is shitting his pants about that because he's about 120. Anything could happen. And if he passes away or has to leave office for some reason, then all of a sudden him leaving could change the whole structure of the majority in the Senate. So he's trying to game that. Fact of the matter is, in most states, if something happens to a senator, the governor names a replacement. In my own state, we had kind of a shady deal. Back uh, several years ago, I think it was when Humphrey died or, or, or what happened, whatever happened there. He was a senator. And our governor, Wendell Anderson, <laughs> then appointed himself to the Senate. Yeah, he had a little trouble with that after the fact. So there are some ways that... Mitch McConnell could be out of office sometime in the not-so-distant future. But I think the best we can do is just try to neutralize his power, get a bigger majority in the Senate so he can't really do much of anything. That's our best hope at this point. Thank you, Edwin, for the uh, question. And as I say, if you have a question, comment, or complaint, by all means, just give me an email. Rationalboomer at gmail.com. I will answer one way or another. Now, I wanted to bring something else up because I thought this was funny. For most of the Trump administration, I spent a lot of time on Facebook. I was, wasn't really on any other social media. And I did a lot of writing about Donald Trump. And I did some videos as well. So everybody knew pretty much where I stood, and many people agreed with me, and some people, including some family members, thought I was an asshole. (laughs) And they're probably right, but I was an asshole for the right reason, for the good of this country, because Donald Trump is fucking evil and a danger to this country. Anyway, this is about a year ago, uh, September 26th of 2020. And when I first saw this, I thought, when, when did I ever make a comment on Facebook? Because an answer to my comment came up on Facebook. I got a notification of it. And as I go back, I barely remember this post, but it struck me as something that would raise my ire. A gentleman by the name of Dennis posted this. Now, this is pre-election. Please tell me why you are voting for Biden. I mean, I'm voting for Trump and can list a hundred reasons why, but I really haven't seen anyone say why yet. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a Trumplicant? Oh, Jesus Christ. And there's all kinds of ridiculous answers and comments and uh, everything you could possibly believe. But I was involved with a threat. And the interesting thing isn't the things that were said so much, but the time frame between comments. As I said, this thread was, or this post was originally put out September 26th of 2020, over a year ago. And there was a post, and I don't even know why I answered this, because I wouldn't normally wade into this situation, but maybe a year ago, I was more apt to do it. But this lady named Elena said, I'm a Trump supporter. Most of the debates I have gotten into this year have been off false anti-Trump narratives. The only somewhat constructive debates have been with some individuals who are falling for the fear tactic of losing Social Security. I don't even know what she's saying there, but most of it is bullshit. So, as nice as can be, I said, Elena, I'd be happy to debate you. We could even do it on Facebook Live so it could be in real time and nobody could say that they mistook what we said. And a couple of people came along and said, I would love to see this. Someone with facts and another with emotion. I don't know if she meant me with the emotion or or Elena. Another person said, I'm so looking forward to an actual debate, then let's ask the question again. And uh, a third person said, name is Dennis. He goes, I'm down for that. Let's let's see you do it. 
So I said, okay, we can do it. And then I didn't hear anything at all. Nothing. Then I became kind of bored with Facebook. And uh, two months later, I started on TikTok. And when things started to take off on TikTok, I never really paid much more attention to Facebook because it was really not growing. I had a lot of followers, a couple thousand, but it was all the same shit over and over again. And uh, I was bored with it. So then 52 weeks (laughs) after I said I'd be happy to debate with anybody, then this dentist comes back on, just like today, and says, Mike, still down for that debate? And he's got the laughing, crying face emojis. Not going as planned, huh? (laughs) So this clown actually thinks that I'm embarrassed now about what's going on with Joe Biden and I wouldn't dare step back in the ring and debate with him. (laughs) Shows you uh, just how little he knows me. You folks know me better. Give me a challenge and it has to do with Trump. I'll step into it because I know a lot about this shit and I'll be happy to debate a dumb shit. So I responded, I said, uh, Dennis, I'd be happy to debate any time. I haven't had a single Trump humper step up. I haven't been on Facebook much because I've taken it to a larger audience, meaning TikTok and the podcast, but I'm ready anytime. And then I added, all I see is Trumplicans losing. If you want to lose again, I'm good with that. I'd love to hear your 100 reasons why you voted for Trump. I bet you couldn't give me five. <laughs> So, of course, now remember, there's this is a year between when this post was first put up. So Dennis comes back with his 10 top reasons why he voted for Trump. <laughs> Number one, child sex trafficking. That's all it said. I don't know if he's for it or against it. But with all the Republican child sex trafficking, I have to believe he's for it. <laughs> then he said... Number two, now he didn't do this a year ago. He did this today. He said, border wall. (laughs) Really? You're going to take credit for a wall that's fucking falling down and not doing any good? Great. Then he said, prescription prices. Now, does he mean high or lower? I, I don't know. I presume lower, but I hadn't noticed that Donald Trump lowered any prescription prices. Harder on China. Really? Harder on China. Even though Donald Trump has those financial interests in China. Donald Trump is harder on China. I think not. Number five is fired thousands at the VA for stealing money. Now, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about there. And as far as stealing money, somebody should look into the money that Donald Trump stole and all his cronies stole. Number six, he's not politically correct says it how he sees it now a lot of trump humpers love him for that reason but if that's how he sees it obviously he's a bit deranged with some of the things he's said election fraud but nobody's been ever able to come up with any proof but that's how he sees it and apparently dennis is good with that number seven not worried about hurting someone's feelings for the greater good of america Now, to me, that seems redundant to number six. So apparently, he really only has nine reasons. Number eight, does more for vets. (laughs) Like when you promised to give uh, the people in the service a raise and you didn't. You haven't done shit for the vets, and and he knows it. Number nine, wants to take down the Fed so we can stop creating monopoly money. Says the uh, <laughs> says the party who added seven trillion dollars to the debt gave two trillion dollars to the rich without getting anything in return. Yeah, I think you're mistaken here, pal. And lastly, transparency in the media. These are his ten topics. Here are his ten reasons for. Voting for Donald Trump. You noticed in every one of those, there's not one mention of a policy of any point. Nothing specific given. They just like his attitude and his tough guy appearance. These people actually believe he's a tough guy. 
well, they're going to see how tough he is when he finally gets his first indictment and his family gets indicted. We'll see how tough he is at that point. And then he says, oh, sorry, just challenged five. Sorry, I rambled, LOL, like he really nailed me. (laughs) Now, your turn for Biden. I'll take your best three. Now, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, I don't want to argue with this idiot. Nothing I say to him is going to uh, is going to possibly change his mind. So why would I waste my time? I don't even spend that much time on Facebook. <laughs> so I responded. I said, well, you probably forgot some things that Donald Trump accomplished. I said, wow, I love how you quote lies as facts. How about 500,000 deaths from COVID because he said it was a hoax and did nothing? How about the only president to lose jobs in his term? How about more of his administration being indicted than any other in history? How about adding $7 trillion to the debt and all he did was give money to the rich? Or how about losing the election by 7 million votes and still whining like a little bitch. How about inciting an insurrection against his own country? Or why is it only Republicans being indicted for and convicted for child sex trafficking? I said, I could do this all day. Now, how do you think he responded to that? I'm sure you know, but I'll tell you. He says, Mike, everything you spouted came from CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox, and MSNBC. When you start researching info yourself and stop being spoon-fed by the narrative, then you might wake up. Just don't fall too hard. That rabbit hole is there. Be careful. It's sickening, my friend. (laughs) So everything I said wasn't true. The fact of the matter is, everything I said was true, and he can't answer to it. So he does what Donald Trump says. Well, Arizona found that I won, when we know for a fact that Arizona found just the opposite. He lost. These guys can't answer facts, so what they do is they say, oh, that's just bullshit, fake news. And it goes to what I was saying before. There's really no point in arguing with these people because you can't give them facts and expect them to understand. And then he said, but Mike, please give me three best things you like about Biden. (laughs) Then I told him what I said to you. I said, you can't argue with stupid, and that's why I don't normally do it. I said, people of your ilk have a trouble comprehending facts, even when it's in front of their face. You lost. You'll keep losing. Put on your big boy pants and deal with it. The Petulant Child Act has become tired. So then, now they're starting to goad me here. They want me to come up uh, with three things that Joe Biden did and why I was glad for voting for Joe Biden. So one other guy comes in and says, not jumping in, but wanting to see the reasons for Biden you haven't given yet. So this guy's basically saying, yeah, I'm going to nudge you, but please don't fuck with me because <laughs> she's got nothing. And then, of course, Dennis says, I'm in line, too, patiently waiting, so confident that I can't come up with something, that he can out-talk me. Well, I know for a fact, based on watching and looking at how he's written things, that he can't out-talk me. So I wrapped my point up, and I said, you can't, I said, you can start with the COVID relief bill. He's already created more jobs than Donald Trump. He's created bigger gains and more records in the stock market. I said, I could go on all day here, but it's all for naught. And then in parentheses, I said, Google it, knowing he wouldn't know what the word means. I said, because of your, because of lack of any semblance of critical thinking, not to mention a complete inability to comprehend anything above a fifth grade level. I will say it again. You lost. Your cyber ninjas in Arizona admitted you lost, even though you were so sure. You're losing losers that continue to lose. You're wasting my fucking time. Now, here's the interesting thing. They were hot and heavy 
arguing with me, begging me to give him three reasons why I voted for Joe Biden. That last thing I wrote to them, I've got no response in eight hours. None. Mr. Tough Guys didn't respond once after that. So hopefully they'll just shut their mouths and go away. They probably will because they've really got nothing to add. I answered every question they wanted. I gave them information that they refused to believe, and now they just shut up. And that's what Trumplicans do. They just shut up. They go away. They don't say, yeah, you might be right, or I understand that point. They don't do that. They just slink away and go start up with somebody else, somebody who they think they can bully. So this guy's trying to be a smart guy and trying to corner me and get me to not be able to answer his question. So now I do, and they got nothing to say. That's how it always goes with these Trumplicans. That's why I got bored with it on Facebook. They'd come at me. My whole game was to put them in a corner, tell them what I know, ask them the right questions, till they just shut up and went away. But eventually, that got boring, and that's why I got off of Facebook. I'm not off of Facebook, but I quit really doing much with it other than showing pictures of family and stuff like that, that kind of normal stuff. And I went over to TikTok, and things got more interesting. There was more traction, and it's far more fun. Then now we do the podcast, and that's even more fun. I don't really need to fuck around with with uh, Facebook because it is, to me, dull these days. But that's the kind of people that are out there. That's the kind of people you will run into. And they will do one of two things, as I've always said, what bullies do. When you put them in a corner and they cannot answer, they will either get angry, scream and yell, maybe even get violent. Or many times they'll just bow their heads, get the fuck out of the way and go on to somebody else that they think they can bully. I keep it out there. If there's any Trumplican out there that would like to debate me, I'm not a genius. I'm not uh, a champion debater, but I know what I know, and I know how to talk. And I know these people don't know what they know or think they know, and they can't talk for shit. So if any Trumplican would like to step up, I'd have them on the podcast. I'd do a live on Facebook. I'd do a dual, dual live on a TikTok. I don't care. I'd be happy to talk to them. But the fact of the matter is, none of them ever follow through. You see what happened there in that conversation? They wanted to have the conversation in text on the post, but they kept saying they wanted the debate. But nobody, once we got talking, said, I'll do the live. I think that seems more expeditious. We do it on a live on Facebook. We talk back and forth. Everybody can see what everybody else is doing, hear what they have to say, and then they can judge for themselves. But these Trumplicans don't want to do that because they're smart enough to know they're fucking stupid. (laughs) And they just won't do it. I guarantee you, not one Trumplican will step up with somebody who can offer just as much of a voice as they do. See, they want to talk louder and longer and talk over you. And I won't allow people to do that because I can talk just as loud, just as long, and I can talk over them. Bullies aren't prepared to get what they're giving in return, and they don't know what to do with it. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about some of the news happening this week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, we're about nine months into the Biden presidency. You know, that's that's the funny thing. I, I want to explain this to some people. I always get people on my post saying, I've been waiting for four years to Donald for Donald Trump to be put in jail. Why isn't happening? Why is nothing happening? To suggest you've been waiting for for five years is not fair, is not right, is not accurate. 
Because as long as Donald Trump was president for those four years and the people around him, he was going to get away with anything. Because even though he broke the norms in the presidential uh, position, nobody could touch him. We didn't know that our system was that weak. We do now, and hopefully some things will be done to fix that. But you haven't been waiting four and a half years. You've been waiting nine months. On January 20th, things started to move. Donald Trump could be investigated. There could be some indictments. There could be some testimony. And it takes a while to get that moving. So if you think you've been waiting four years for this to happen, you have not. It was never going to happen during the time Donald Trump was in office. The start time was on January 20th when Donald Trump left office. That's how long what's been going on has been going on. That's why it seems like forever, but it's not. It's eight, nine months, and now things are starting to pop. And, of course, Joe Biden's getting some heat because he's being stymied by the Republicans in many ways, much like Obama did. But you need to pay close attention over the next couple of weeks. There is a lot of shit happening, and it's going to have to happen soon. I mean, much of this they want to get done before the 2022 election. They don't want to be in the middle of that election year and have this stuff hanging over their heads. And there's a lot of stuff. Let's first start with the um, infrastructure bills. There's two of them. There's the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, bipartisan bill. And then there's the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Now, the thing about it is, is this is a sticky situation. Now, if every Democrat voted for the bipartisan bill, it would pass tomorrow. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I think it's fortunate, there are progressives on the Democratic side that said, yeah, we're not voting for that bill until we get some guarantees on the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. That was the deal they cut months ago. People are saying it's too much money, but the fact is they came down from $6 trillion to $3.5 trillion, and everybody voted it in a preliminary way. So everybody saw this, and everybody agreed on it. But now as we get closer to this happening, some of these people, Democrats and Republicans alike, are saying, yeah, I don't know, that seems like a lot of money. Well, there's a lot of things happening in that bill that are good for this country. And uh, after this part, we'll talk about what's going on in that $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. So that's happening. And that really has to happen in the next couple of weeks uh, to get things moving properly. So be watching for that. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening with those infrastructure bills. I think something will ultimately get passed. Both bills will get passed. I think they may have to come down some on the $3.5 trillion one just to get it done, but I think they will get it done, and it will have a huge impact on this country, and we will talk about that in a moment. The other thing they have to deal with right now is raising the debt ceiling. I've talked about this before, and the fact of the matter is they have to raise the debt ceiling. There is no question about it. If they do not, then economically it will be catastrophic for this country. Six million jobs will go away, uh, will be a much bigger debt risk to uh, people who have loaned us money, and uh, our credit rating will go down. The stock market will crash. It won't be a good time if they allow or if they don't allow raising the debt ceiling. Now, the funny thing is they've raised the debt ceiling every time it's come up. That's more than 100 times since they implemented it. Uh, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans raised it multiple times during the Trump administration. They tacked on $7 trillion to the debt willy-nilly and didn't give a shit. But now all of a sudden they're becoming conscience, conscious about it. And now they're saying, yeah, we don't want to do it. It's not that they don't know it's a bad thing if they don't do it. What they, the problem is it's all political. You know, 
It's all this adversarial things that we see with the Democrats and the Republicans. It's a fucking game. Mitch McConnell knows he has to help get this passed ultimately because then everybody will look to him and the Republican Party as the culprit in destroying the country. So they will do it, but they're going to play this game out. Now, this has to get done in the next couple of weeks or less, and it will get done. But what I'm hoping this does, if the Republicans push it to the limit, maybe, just maybe, people like Joe Biden, Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, will realize that this filibuster thing is bullshit. Because with this raising of the debt ceiling, Mitch McConnell has said, no Republican will vote for it and we will use the filibuster, which means you need 60 votes to pass raising the debt ceiling. Now, if no Republican will vote for it, then it's impossible. They have essentially blocked this bill. And as I just told you, you block this bill and they don't raise the debt ceiling, then it's the United States economically in the shitter. So it's got to be done. But they want to play this game in order to gain some leverage or whatever the fuck they want to do. But be watching for that. That's going to have to happen very quickly. Then, of course, we've got voters' rights and police reform. Where I think that comes into play is if the Republicans do press this debt ceiling thing, and maybe Joe Biden and Cinema and Manchin wake the fuck up and say, yeah, we got to do something with this filibuster. Either make a cutout like uh, Mitch McConnell did during the Trump administration or get rid of it completely. Now, all three of these people are against that, which is ridiculous. There is no reason not to get rid of it, but they refuse to do it. Now, they know as well as anybody that not raising the debt ceiling is going to cause huge problems, not only for the country, but for the people they represent. So they're going to have to come to a decision depending how far Mitch McConnell pushes it. If he pushes it to the end, these people will get nervous and hopefully they'll get pissed off and say, all right, fuck you, Mitch. We're going to get rid of the filibuster. We're going to make it so we can get this stuff passed. And hopefully they will do that. But we'll have to wait and see. I'll be honest with you, Joe Biden's got a lot of pressure on his back. These infrastructure bills need to pass. Raising the debt ceiling needs to pass. Voters' rights needs to pass. Police reform needs to pass. These are all promises he made. These are all promises the Democrats made. And they need to pass. Otherwise, they're going to look bad. So hopefully, they have a plan to get this done. Now, when you talk... When you see the uh, Democrats speaking, like Nancy Pelosi, they seem to be fairly confident about this all. But we know it's still a mess. I don't know if they're just putting on a show for us or what, but there's some distance they've got to pick up. Now, the one thing I will say between Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, these are some shrewd operators. They know how to play this game. They know how to negotiate and use leverage. So if anybody can do it, it would be those two. So hopefully that is the case. I don't know about Schumer. I don't know if Schumer's strong enough in the Senate to pull off what we need to pull off. But something needs to be done if the Biden administration hopes to continue to look good going into 2022. So we will see what happens there. And that's not just that's just not it. We of course have the House Select Committee. And we know what happened this past week. They were talking about sending out uh, subpoenas, and they did do that to Steve Bannon, Mark Meadows, Dan Scavino, and Cash Patel. The interesting thing is that these, uh, these people are just right under Donald Trump, so that tells us that Donald Trump is the target. We also know that there are more subpoenas coming. It could be Trump's family could be the vice president. It could be Donald Trump himself. They're all involved in this to one extent or another. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of witnesses. A lot of people are going to be called to testify. And these subpoenas are in a situa- are, give you a situation where they almost have to testify. Of course, they will try to delay it, but there's really no room to delay it. 
And this uh, select committee has the option not only to subpoena them, but if they don't show up, they can charge them with criminal contempt. That's bigger than just regular contempt. It'll go to the DOJ. Now there'll be legal proceedings, and these people could go to jail. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on these folks to testify. Then when they get there, they better tell the truth, because if they don't, then it's perjury. Back to the DOJ. Back to fucking jail. So all these things are happening in the next couple of weeks. So there's going to be a lot to talk about, a lot for you to watch. Pay close attention. At the very least, stay in touch with me. I'll try to keep up on it as much as I can and pass along the information so you know exactly what is up. Now, the last part of this, I wanted to talk about this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. You heard a lot about it. You heard about a lot of possibilities. And you know the Republicans do not like this bill. They say, oh, no, it's too much money. We can't afford it. You're just going to raise taxes, just like the Democrats always do, raise taxes. Well, the fact of the matter is nobody really knew what was in this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill because it hasn't been released. So all the bullshit that people were talking that were bad about this, they didn't know what they were talking about because they'd never seen it. Well, now. This document for this bill has been released. You can read it, and uh, it's pretty lengthy. I read a lot of it, and I thought I'd give you some of the high points from that bill. Now, the Republicans will want you to believe that there's a lot of bad stuff in here, bad for the country. So I'm going to read you some of the high points from this bill. And then you tell me, what are the bad points for this country? Why is this not good? Republicans will tell you otherwise, but I'm going to give you some of the high points here, and uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Now, first of all, how are they going to fund this bill? It's a lot of money, $3.5 trillion. And you've heard them banty about and talk about making the rich pay for it by taxing them, which seems only fair because they get all the benefits from this country, but apparently they don't pay any taxes. They make billions and billions of dollars and pay no taxes. Now, no matter how you look at it, it seems fair that they would pay some taxes, too, given they benefit so much from this country. And the talk about raising taxes. Yes, taxes will be raised. But here's what you need to know. First of all, this will be funded by taxing the rich. That means anyone making more than $400,000. Now, if you make less than $400,000, you will not be taxed. If you have a small business, you will not be taxed. If you have a family farm, you will not be taxed. So in spite of what the Republicans will try to tell you, that you're going to be taxed more money, it's bullshit. The rich are going to pay for the bulk of this, largely because they have never paid taxes. So it's time they did their fair share. So let's talk about some of the things this bill, should it be passed, bring to America. First of all, universal pre-K programs. Now, what's that mean? That means that all low- and middle-income families would pay no more than 7% of their income on child care. Now, if you've ever paid for child care, and I have, you know you pay a lot more than 7 fucking percent. I was paying a large chunk of my income because I wasn't making much money at the time to have child care. The fact of the matter is my sons are six years apart, and they are six years apart strictly because I couldn't afford to have two kids in daycare. So we got one in daycare, he goes off to school, now we got another one coming in. Had it not been for that, there might have been a year between the two of them. But I simply couldn't afford it, and I'm not the only one here. There's a lot of people I know and a lot of people I don't know that have paid tons and tons for child care. Now, I'm not suggesting the people who are providing the child care don't deserve the money, they do, but if 
a man or woman has to decide whether he works or she works or stays home because it doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense paying the child care and going to work because all of their income would be sucked up by that child care. So now with this bill, it would mean that everybody in low and middle income classes would pay only 7% of their income for child care. That means more people can work. I mean, we've got a lot of women right now that were in, in, in the workforce prior to COVID that are not now in uh, the workforce because of co- after COVID or somewhat after COVID because they can't afford or find a place for their kids or the schools are, are um, <clears throat> distance learning. That's one of the reasons we're having trouble with getting people, finding people to hire for jobs. So by doing this and having a universal pre-K program, that would be a huge boon to families. And tell me, what is the downside to helping families? I would think the Republicans would be all for that. Secondly, tuition-free community college. That means those two-year colleges would be free for anybody in the country. Why is this important? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, there's less and less people going to college because they can't afford it or they can't handle the debt they'll be saddled with after the fact. So with less people going to college, that means this country is becoming dumber. And if you think that isn't a problem, take a look at the 25 or 30 percent of the people that voted for and stand by Donald Trump. They're dumb as fuck. I bet they don't have college degrees. You know how Donald Trump loves the uneducated. And you see what, when they get a little bit of power, what that means to this country. This country is in dire need of tradesmen. I know people that are electricians that say, there's nobody else coming along to take over when I retire. What's going to happen? And the question is, what is going to happen? If you can't get an electrician, try to get an electrician now. If you call him now, he may not be able to get there for a month because there isn't enough people doing it. So this uh, tuition-free community college thing would be a help not only to individuals but to this country. Okay, families would continue to receive a child tax credit of $3,000 a year. Well, if you remember, when they did it for this year, it cut um, child poverty in half. So clearly it did some good. It had some value. And to be able to continue that and get more kids out of poverty and keep them fed and clothed and taken care of, how is that a bad thing? I would think you'd want to do that. Now, here's one for the old people and one that interests me particularly because it affects me. They're looking at expanding Medicare, adding dental, vision, and hearing. And frankly, I don't know why that wasn't expanded in the frickin' first place. Those are all important issues in people's health, and as they get older, they are factors and they are things that need to be attended to. But because of Republicans or whoever wanted to limit Medicare, it didn't include those things. You You had to have this extra coverage in order to be covered. Now, one of the big things that they're going to do with this Medicare is they're going to uh, change the eligibility age for Medicare. It is currently 65, and they want to drop it down to 60. That's going to have a huge impact. We have a lot of boomers in this country. Uh, becoming 60 or under 65. Now, these people may want to retire. They maybe could retire, but they don't. And why? Because they can't afford the fucking health coverage. Don't you want to see people get to a certain age, take the retirement they've earned, you know, assuming they invested or have pensions or that sort of thing. Even if they have those things, they still can't afford health care. So they stay working till they're 70 or 75. Well, dropping Medicare down to 60 would allow more people to retire, not work till they die. Also, opening up a lot of jobs for the younger people to come in. Good, high-paying jobs. How is that bad for this country? And it deals with health care, too. It will reduce 
uh, premiums for Obamacare enroll enrollees, they will pay no more than 8.5% of their income. Now we know we all pay way more than 8.5% of our income for health care. This is why people don't have health care. This is why people don't use their health care because they can't afford it. I mean, I'll tell you right now, off the top of my head, my wife and I, we're 61 years old, in decent health. We don't go to the doctor a lot, but our insurance payment every month is $1,200 a month. Many months, I don't even go to the doctor, so I'm spending that 1200 bucks for zero, for nothing, just to be safe in case something happens. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm not going to tell you how much we make, but I'm going to tell you this. $1,200 is way higher than 8.5% of our income. So we take a big chunk of our income just to cover our health care, even if we don't use it. So this new reconciliation bill would make it so that Obamacare enrollees, and that's most people who aren't covered by their companies, Bring it down to 8.5% of their income. Getting better, health care cheaper, how is that bad for this country? Now, in this bill, they'll also invest more in seniors. Now, you young people are probably thinking to yourself, why would we invest in seniors? Well, I'll tell you something. There's about 75 million millennials but there's probably 70 million boomers all on the verge of retirement or getting sick or being hospitalized. And there's going to be a lot of money spent on these people if they don't have health coverage or if they don't have the needs that they need to survive. 70 million people in this country are boomers. What that should tell you is get in the medical care or the uh, physical therapy because they are going to be a booming business for the next 20 years with all us old people getting older, getting sicker, and needing help. And if you don't do this, if you don't help the seniors, now you're going to have millions and millions of people, old people who can't do anything, who can't work, to be in poverty. Now the government's going to have to step in and pay a bunch of money just to help them survive. It's cheaper to do this than to fix it after the fact. They're also going to lower prescription prices. Now, Donald Trump says he was going to do it or did do it or whatever the fuck, but he didn't. And we know that prescription prices are absolutely ridiculous. They need to be brought down and brought down now. In this bill, they'll also attack climate change. This is something we know is obviously a big problem. We spent four years when people thought climate change was a joke. Now we've got fires, we've got hurricanes, we've got drought, we've got all kinds of things directly connected to climate change. We needed to do something about this four years ago, but it was ignored. Now we need to do about it now, and we need to deal with it now so that we can hopefully save some of the problems we have in this country. If not now, you might as well pack it in because things are just going to get worse. And, of course, the last thing is the infrastructure. And with the infrastructure, you're going to get more jobs. You're going to get higher-paying jobs. And I'm going to tell you, if you pass this bipartisan bill— and the reconciliation bill. This is going to have a huge boon to this country. It's going to make the stock market explode. It's going to bring up income levels throughout this country. People will have the opportunity to be more prosperous. Now, the Republicans will tell you this is bad. Why? Because they don't want you to prosper. They want the rich people to prosper and you to pay the fucking bill. But the fact of the matter is, if we don't make the middle class flourish, eventually you'll kill the middle class, and then the whole country goes down a drain. You've got to have some foresight in this situation, otherwise you're going to kill yourself, kill the country. 
And that's what this bill does. It helps the middle class. It helps people survive. It helps people get health care. It helps families. It helps get jobs and education. None of that stuff is negative to this country. And I would say, you know, if, if they were going to take the money out of us to give us that, I would, I would balk at it because we've been taxed enough. But we've got a whole crowd of people making billions and billions of dollars that don't pay any taxes at all. We should expect them to pay their due, do their part. And if they can do that and we can get all these other things fixed, it's going to be better for everybody. See, they're so short-sighted, these rich people in the government, think, well, we give it to the rich and then everything's cool because we get more money put in our pockets when they uh, send us our donations for our elections and shit. But here's the thing. If you raise the minimum wage, you give people more money. They are going to spend more money, which will improve the economy. But will also allow these rich people to sell their shit to people because now they can afford it. And that's how this economy runs. Buying, selling, lots of activity, lots of movement of money. But if you've got a group of people, the biggest group of people who pay the most taxes and they got no money, then you've got no movement in money and it affects the economy. So this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill uh, is valuable not only to each one of us, but to this country. And when you hear the Republicans say it's bad for us, laugh at them, because that's not true. They can't show me anything in this bill that works negatively against this country. The only people that might complain, might have reason to complain, are the rich that now have to pay some fucking taxes. But I don't feel bad for them. It's time they do. Anyway, I went way long here, talked my head off. I'll be back again very soon, and we'll talk some more on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.